What's up, everyone? We're back for more Locked on Bucks. And today, it might surprise you, but we are going to be talking Giannis. But we're also going to be talking the other superstars in the league because I've been wondering myself, how many guys in the league do you sit back and think, yeah, that's a guy that can carry a team to a championship? There's been a lot of talk about respect or lack of respect around the NBA from certain players and certain teams. To me, it makes sense. But we're going to go into that conversation and ask who the guys are and who the teams are that are genuine contenders and the reason why. Also, we've got to look ahead to Bucks and Warriors tomorrow. We've got injury updates to get to, so let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and find my other work over at ESPN. And joining me, uh, like promised all week, and as I mentioned, going to be on the show once a week moving forward uh, by popular demand, I should say as well, from the Technical Foul Podcast, my good friend Camille Davis. Uh, we remind you, uh, we thank you, I should say, for listening to Locked on Bucks, uh, making it your first listen of every single day. We really appreciate that, particularly in a weird week where the Bucks have had two nights off. Uh, if you missed yesterday's podcast, we caught up with our friends over at Lockdown Warriors. It was really interesting chat uh, to hear from those guys, and they talked about what the Warriors are going through this season, why they're terrified of the Bucks still. Uh, maybe not quite, but you get the idea. But Camille, before we get started today, and I teased what we're going to get to right off the top, but when you first came on today, I thought to myself, what is, what is Camille wearing today? Because you normally bring it with the Bucks gear, and I was thinking, <laughs> where's the purple stuff? Where's the red stuff? But then I realized, no, that's championship swag. Yeah, we had to bring out the championship swag since you know it's it's warrior it's the Warriors game this week. This is a big game for the Bucks. We know what the Warriors mean. I mean, we were the one and twenty-four and one, so there's a little history here. So you know, I felt the championship gear was appropriate for today's episode. So for those listening on the audio version, Camille's wearing one of those uh, sweet white. Uh, it's a warm-up hoodie, right? Mm-hmm. White warm-up hoodie, but all the gold uh, trimmings that you get when you're an NBA champion. By the way, uh, were you at that twenty-four and one game by any chance? I was not. I was at home watching, um, going crazy. I wish I was at that game, but I was home for that one. Yeah, I was also at home. Actually, uh, I mentioned this a lot. I don't gamble really at all, mostly just because I don't like losing money. Um, but I, for some reason, I was. I think I was just like feeling uh, wanted to. I don't know whether it's good luck. I was feeling arrogant, whatever it is. But I won a lot of money on that game because I just woke up with a good feeling that the Bucks were going to win that day. Uh, so I bet some money on them. They won. Uh, it, was a, it was a great celebration. So shout out to those Bucks. Like I said yesterday, shout out to Greg Monroe, recently back in the NBA, and also Michael Carter-Williams, who feels like he hasn't played forever, but I'm told he's still down in Orlando. Who knows? Anyway, as far as today's pod goes, or as far as tomorrow's matchup, or today's matchup, depending on when you're listening to this with the Golden State Warriors, we do have injury report or injury updates, I should say, Camille. And we discussed this a little bit yesterday. So as far as the Warriors go, uh, no Draymond Green. He had that calf issue in the warm-up going back to the Clay Thompson game. So he's not going to play. That makes sense if you go on State Warriors. Mm-hmm. You're not going to risk a, a guy like Draymond Green. So that's 
I guess, if you really wanted to win this game from a Bucks fan perspective, that's a tick. Unfortunately, though, Drew Holiday is still struggling with this ankle injury. He's had ankle soreness through the season, foot soreness as well. He's doubtful. And I mean, I would, I'm, not, I'm usually wrong with these types of things, Camille, but it sounds like from the wording coming out of the camp that he is pretty unlikely to play, which is a shame because you still don't have uh, George Hill, who's in the health and safety protocols as well. So in a game where you're looking to deal with Steph Curry, you don't really have any of your point guards or your traditional starting point guards in the lineup there, which has been challenging over the last few games. A bonus, though, that Grayson Allen is not on the injury report. And should we say happy trails to our friend Luke Cornett, who is simply on the injury report, not with team. A sad day for the corny fans out there. <laughs> I like the corny, the corny fans there. I like that. I like that. Well, but um, going into a game when you're playing against arguably one of the most dangerous point guards to ever lace them up, not having one, a point guard, period, is a problem. But two, not having a point guard of Drew's caliber to at least give him some trouble is is very concerning because, I mean, Steph Curry still get. I mean, Steph is going to pretty much get his regardless. I remember last year's game in particular um, where Steph, I think he had like 40 or something like that. And Drew was playing good defense on him most of the game. So going into this matchup without Drew, without George Hill, a little concerning. Um, them not having Draymond, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Draymond is a crucial part of what they do defensively. Um, so both teams are going to be missing some, some key pieces. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out tomorrow. So we mentioned this a little bit, or it's certainly been a talking point across the league, but the interesting thing was Steph Curry, and it's crazy when you look at his numbers right now. If you look at the shooting efficiency across the board, 42% from the field, which is a career low, uh, providing you take out that five-game season back when he hurt his hand the Warriors were awful no one was playing uh, Kevin Durant had already left so if you take out that season that's a career low the 42 percent his three point percentage of 38 percent is also a career low and his true shooting percentage is at 59 uh, which is the lowest it's been you have to go all the way back uh, to 2012 2013 which I believe might have been still the Monte Ellis day so it's kind of interesting that when you look at it and you say okay well he's averaging 26 points per game yes there's been a lot of hype he won that uh, broke the record for the all-time three-point makes. He's still, I think, the betting favorite for the MVP or certainly among the top contenders. But this isn't close to the best season he's had. Now, we know, understand the impact that he has even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and that's what makes him so great. Um, but it hasn't actually been probably one of his three or four best seasons in his career, which seems crazy to say. And also makes me a little bit worried that he's due or overdue, some would say, for tonight. That's exactly what I was going to say. I just, <laughs> as you were saying, I was looking up his numbers, like, let me see what he's been doing. Two from nine from three against the Grizzlies, four for 11 against the Cavs, didn't play against the Pelicans, one for nine against the Mavericks, one for 10 against the Heat, where I'm just like, Steph, there's no way he's going to keep shooting this poorly from three going forward. Um, and I don't want it to be against the Bucks where he he figures it out again. And one thing that's so crazy as you were reading through his stats and talking about how he's having a down year, it just shows just how ridiculous Steph Curry is because shooting, you know, 38% from three for most guys is like, wow, like that's, that's that was a pretty good season. But for Steph, it's like, mm, it's a down year for you, buddy. It's a down year. But that's what you mentioned is what I'm hoping does not happen. I, I hope that tomorrow is not his get right game. 
<laughs> against the Bucks. Who is going to guard this man? That's the question I, that I have. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know what the starting lineup is going to be. We know what it's been the last couple of games. We've had sort of Wesley Matthews there. Giannis and Chris have been sharing the ball handling duties. Obviously, like I mentioned, you get Grayson Allen back. Dante will be out there. Who is actually the guy that can, that can? well, probably no one is going to stay in front of Steph in the lineup that they have here. But then who is going to have the discipline not to foul this man every time he tries to get up a jump shot? I'm not sure. Honestly, I think this is one of the curiosities I have coming into this game, uh, depending on who they decide to start. And maybe it will be someone like Grayson Allen. Maybe it'll be Dante if they, if they feel that he's healthy enough. I'm not sure. But we know George Hill and no Drew Holiday. It's going to be interesting before you even try to factor in Clay Thompson, who's obviously going to be in his third game back. They don't think he's going to play the back end of this back-to-back for Golden State, but certainly looks like we'll see him in Milwaukee. Yeah, my first thought would have to be, like, maybe start with Wes on Steph, um, just someone who can kind of move around, run around. And Dante uh, was the other thought I had. I think it's going to be a committee approach, just kind of switching out guys, trying to contain them for the most part. And if Clay is going to, then you need someone else running around because off ball, Clay is like, it's, it's like running an obstacle course when you're playing against the Warriors and the way that these guys move off the ball. So you're going to have to have a group effort. Wes, Dante, uh, <laughs> Grayson's an interesting name. I love Grayson's effort, uh, his energy. I'm not sure if he has what it takes necessarily to stand up uh, <laughs> for a long period of time against those guys, but I think Wes is probably your best bet on this roster without Drew and without George, because ideally those would be the two guys who you would have checking Steph. Yeah. Honestly, when I think about trying to defend Steph, I I know, you know, in your head, maybe you picture him with the ball in hand at the top of the perimeter, shaking a guy down, getting a shot off. I actually think about who's the guy that can chase him around when he doesn't have the ball because he moves as well as anyone, which is why someone like Dante makes a little bit of sense because at least he is going to have the mobility hopefully, Mm -hmm. to chase him around. We've seen Chris Middleton, interestingly enough, get the job on Duncan Robertson, who is another guy who likes to fly around off the ball and get those catch-and-shoot opportunities. But as we've discussed, I don't think Chris Middleton is an option uh, in this scenario with Steph Curry. But I'll be fascinated for sure to see how they try and attack this uh, with the guys that they do have out. But with the guys they do have out, we've been seeing the players have been getting opportunities off the bench, which, by the way, You've been hearing me talk about prize picks for months. And if you haven't signed up, uh, you should do it right now. It's the absolute perfect time. And those bench players come into play when you're talking about prize picks. It's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as those bench players that are going to be getting some burn and they only record a handful of minutes each game. I personally wish you could uh, bet the over or under on Thanasis fist bumps. Prize picks hasn't taken my. A suggestion that they should add that to the market, but keep an eye on it. And you can pick two or five players, the over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers there. So uh, that's all you have to do. So go to pricepicks.com, go to your, or you can go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get 50 bucks free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get 50 bucks free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Camille, I've been watching your Twitter feed over the oh, last 20, 24 hours. And I feel like it's been a real drama around love fest. <laughs> and first of all, I don't have a problem with that. I think everyone loves Jar Morant. 
He's been absolutely sensational. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies just beat the Golden State Warriors, by the way, who the Bucks are, are going to play here. But some of the post-game comments from Jar Morant, Jar Morant have been interesting to me when he's talking about not feeling like the Grizzlies have been respected. I think the Grizzlies, first of all, are a young team that that is feeling themselves at the moment, which I find very cool. Like I love the fact that the Grizzlies are out on the court talking their shit, getting under people's skin. Like To me, that's what I want to see. I love that. So I love that the Grizzlies are there. But let's be real. The reason that the Grizzlies haven't got any respect is because they've just barely scraped into the postseason the last two years. So what, what does he want people to think? They're a very young team. They're on the rise. We'll see whether they end up being a contender moving forward. But the way that Ja Morant's playing and the way he's been discussed, and I don't think that it's crazy to think that he could edge his way into an MVP discussion by the end of the year. Like I don't think that that's completely insane, particularly if the Grizzlies keep playing the way that they are. But it had me thinking about guys that you generally believe genuinely believe in a postseason series can carry their team to a championship because we know we've seen it with Giannis, but we also lived through the two seasons where his numbers in the postseason were actually spectacular. Anyone that tells you that Giannis underperforms in the playoffs just haven't looked at the numbers or haven't watched the games. But last year, once he actually did it in the finals and then he came back and he had the 50-point game, all he did, now there's just this absolute confidence from everyone in the media and all the fans that Giannis is that guy which puts him in a list with probably only three or four guys like Steph Curry is still there uh you know LeBron James obviously is is a guy that despite the question marks over the Lakers people will still be fearful of LeBron in the postseason which I think is fair enough but some of these other teams that are on the periphery Phoenix for instance Devin Booker I don't think is anywhere near that guy by the way I just distracted myself. Can we, can we talk? Okay, you know what I'm about to bring up. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come back to my point. But Devin Booker, turn it up. For for those that don't know what I'm talking about, there's no fans in the arena in Toronto. And Devin Booker, the, the Toronto Raptors Raptor, the dinosaur, was waving his hands around, and Booker wanted to stop the game to get the Raptor out of the way so he could shoot his free throws, which is just pathetic behavior. I mean, I was going to bring it up when you were just talking about like guys who are with their team. Well, maybe Devin Booker isn't one if he's getting upset with a Raptor uh, trying to distract him from a free throw. But then again, Devin Booker also got mad that he was being double teamed during open run. So there is that to say about Devin. Great player, but there are some things that he does where I'm just kind of like, are you serious right now? There are literally no fans here. Like you have fans doing, I'm sure, far crazier things than a Raptor waving his hands um, in a normal game situation. Like, they don't have any fans. Let the Raptor be the fan. Like, come on. They, they don't have any. There's no one even jeering at you at this moment. Like, come on. Come on, Devin. That's a little, that's a little, that's a little weak. Embarrassing behavior from Devin Booker. Let's just call it what it was. That was absolutely embarrassing. But he's not one of those guys in my books. I was talking with Frank after we finished recording the other day, and I said the, the problem for me with the Utah Jazz, who are an incredible team during the regular season, we know that. But I don't see Donovan Mitchell as being that guy either. And quite honestly, it's my biggest problem with the Chicago Bulls when I look at them hmm. is that it's DeMar DeRozan. And I, it, it's hard to wrap your head around DeMar DeRozan being that guy because he's been to the playoffs endless occasions and hasn't been able to do it. We'll see with the Bulls. I'm not writing them off. But I understand why there is this public perception because these teams don't have 
a Giannis or they don't have a LeBron. And people may say, well, people said this about the Bucks last year, but I still kind of felt that way about Giannis. You could tell he was a two-time MVP. He was a top five player. He was one of those guys. Uh, he had to get over the hump, which he obviously did. Yeah, and, you know, when thinking, just looking around the league and thinking of other guys, Ja, for example, um, the Grizzlies have won, like, their last 10 straight. And I can see him feeling disrespected, like, we are top four in the West right now, and we're not getting the same attention, the same whatever as other teams are. And I can understand that for sure. And to the point that you mentioned about Giannis last year, I think fans of a team, because they're watching a guy night in and night out, those are going to be the people who kind of ride harder, saying, like, he might not have won it yet, <laughs> but he has it in him. He has it in him. I swear he has it in him. And I can see people doing that with Ja. Me personally, I've been a Ja Morant fan since he sent Marquette home, my 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 team, in the, in the tournament. Was that 2019, I believe it was, with the triple-double? After I saw him in that game, I said, that kid is special. I can't wait to watch him in the league, and he has not disappointed thus far. And this year, he has taken another leap with his game, so I can definitely get that. And just thinking about who can carry a team, I need to preface this by saying because I don't want this to get clipped or something like that with, you know, saying like one guy carries a team because we all know it's a team effort. You need other guys to do other things for sure. We saw with the Bucks last year, there were nights where Chris Middleton was that guy. But, you know, going into it, we knew like Giannis was our best player, but there were certain games where Chris had to kind of bring him home a little bit. Those some hot fourth quarters from Chris helped the Bucks get it done. Even thinking historically like Jordan, a GOAT, greatest of all time, uh, you know, in some books, in my book too, but um, he had Scotty. Like there, there are you know there are other guys who help you get there. So when I think about who can carry a team, the way that I think of that question is kind of like, who has an engine that's strong enough to really like if if others are having an off night, who can bring the level of everyone else up around them to a level that's passable enough for the superstar to do their thing? And I think of guys like LeBron. I'm not sure if this year's LeBron with this particular Lakers team um, if he can carry them all the way to a title but like we saw we saw LeBron carry some pretty I mean <laughs> his first finals appearance that Cavaliers team I still don't quite understand <laughs> how he did that one <laughs> um, and I mean we've seen LeBron do it a few times you mentioned Giannis last year in the finals he really just turned it up for his team when they needed it we've seen Steph go crazy I mean we've seen what Kevin Durant can do although you can argue with those warrior teams if it was Katie, if it was if it was Steph. It was the fact they had both of them there at the same time. And, I mean, he's looking for his chance to do that in Brooklyn now. Uh, I don't need to bring up his toe being on the line because I'm sure other Bucks fans as well are is tired of hearing about how his toe was on the line as if he doesn't wear those size shoes all the time. But neither here nor there. I think there's just a certain caliber of guys who you kind of can lean on in the time where the rest of the team isn't looking good and they can kind of help you get through that. So that's kind of how I look at someone carrying a team. And when I think of it that way, Giannis is a guy. Um, can KD lead this particular Nets team? Uh, especially with the way that they have a part-time Kyrie and a James Harden that doesn't look quite all the way like the James Harden that we've gotten used to seeing. I'm not sure, but I also don't want to be the person to doubt Kevin Durant because I know what a special talent he is. So, I would put him in that bucket, although he hasn't technically done it at this point. It's just kind of seeing like he has it in him. Um, D-Book, no, <laughs> we talked about that. John Morant, I'm not sure if he's there yet. 
Uh, he's going to have to win some playoff games before I can give it to him as much of a fan of him as I am, but I can see him in it. Luca, we saw Luca try a few times, but it, it hasn't gone too far for them. Um, it's a hard thing to carry a team on your back uh, to give your teammates what they need when they might be nervous or not performing as well as they can. And to your point about the Bulls, it's it's kind of it's okay. Watching Demar has been amazing. It's been really cool to see him in that Bulls jersey and having a career season. But we watched a lot of him in Toronto. We saw him in in uh, San Antonio. Not sure if he has that in him. Jimmy Butler, I can't I can't give that to Jimmy. Like there's, I feel like to be able to lead a team consistently in that way to carry a team, so to speak, you have to be a certain like it doesn't happen often. Like, I don't think it's a long list of guys who you can say, yes, they can carry a team. Because, I mean, even guys who did it in the past, like Allen Iverson, who took that another terrible team to the finals um, against the Lakers there, he still couldn't do it all by himself when it came to the finals because the Lakers just had too much talent. I wonder, and our listeners will be able to help us here, but as you were discussing DeMar DeRozan and then obviously Jimmy Butler as well, and I think that they're both in similar categories where they've been on really, really good teams – but to me, at least, I can't really remember. And I'm sure, again, there'll be listeners that'll call out people and they'll you know, give us instances of when this has happened. You might have one, Camille. But I can't really remember a guy that's been in into their 30s and you know, well into their 30s, all of a sudden have begun, become the guy that, that carried a team to a championship. To me, that seems so rare, which is why, again, the, the Bulls are a really good team. Miami's a really good team. But I don't see them winning the title. Like to me, it would be shocking if either of those two teams won the title. I would be shocked. I think that there's three contenders. I mentioned Phoenix yesterday. I still do have them in that sort of top four, but I think the three main contenders are Brooklyn, Golden State, and Milwaukee. But if you go to betonline.ag, you can see all the odds. It's uh, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue the march towards the NBA playoffs, NFL playoffs about to begin here as well. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. Uh, just use the promo code Locked On, and you will uh, get a 50% welcome bonus if you sign up today. That's the promo code Locked On there, betonline.ag. They've got all the sports you could possibly want. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. You had me thinking about types of contenders, Camille, as well. So, if you think about the NBA champions we've had over the last decade and then where Milwaukee kind of fits into that mix or what teams they kind of compare to. So I think Milwaukee is in the bracket with Toronto in terms of you know Kawhi, Giannis. Um, you have feel however you want to feel about where those players rank individually, but that's the superstar. And then with Milwaukee, you needed the pieces, as you pointed to. You needed Chris Milton. You needed Drew Holiday. You needed Brooke Lopez. Similar with Toronto. They had a really even core and perhaps not superstar. They didn't have a second superstar, but they had Kyle Lowry. They had Van Fleet. They had Siakam. They had Ibaka, all these guys, Marcus Gasol. And that kind of fits into the Golden State Warriors pre-Kevin Durant mold to me. I think it also fits into the San Antonio model of... You know, really, really, really good players, multiple-time All-Stars, potentially Hall of Famers, but not a super team per se compared to the Miami Heat teams, the Cavs team that won that title, and then obviously the Warriors when they did have Kevin Durant. And that's what the Brooklyn Nets are trying to do. And it's actually harder than people think because, as you pointed to, the depth pieces aren't quite there. 
I think we've seen it with the Nets and they haven't been at full strength, but a lot of their depth pieces are seriously questionable right now. You see some guys that they're going to be relying on to hit big shots and you think, gee, it could happen. And and I'm not going to sit here and, and write off Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant or, or James Harden, that's for sure. But it, it looks like it's going to be challenging. And then you look at the Warriors in the Bucks, and I think they're more on the same page in terms of a, a, perhaps a deeper team, role players that play critical roles a, across the way there, which again... When you look at a team like the Bulls, if you look at the team like the Grizzlies, I'm not sure. I, I still think that you need the one superstar that's been there a couple of times, maybe lost a couple of times. But I, I, how do you think the Bucks championship model fits uh, comparatively to other teams that we've seen over the last decade? I mean, so when you look at the the model, because one of the arguments about building a super team in the way that the the Beatles or the Heatles were and how Brooklyn is doing it now is that like, hey, in the playoffs, these rotations shorten up. We don't need that much depth because we're going to just ride our top guys, period. Like that's just the way it's going to go. And that's one way to definitely go about it. But if you have a team that just has guys that can that play well together, know their roles, that you can go eight deep still, nine deep, is my six through nine better than your six through nine? Because there are going to be minutes when these guys are going to have to be playing or six through eight or whatever the case may be, where these guys are going to have to get some minutes and have to make some plays in order for the team to succeed. Because like I mentioned, one guy literally cannot do it alone. It has to be a team effort. And what I generally look at is one, who was the best player on the court period between the two teams. And generally when I'm saying that, like throughout the playoffs last year, I felt confident because I'm like, I feel like Giannis is the best guy out here against Brooklyn I was like I'm a little nervous but I believe in Giannis like you can argue Giannis you can argue KD but like at least you can agree they're on like the same tier at the very least so me personally I lean towards having them death because there there are still going to be minutes that these guys have to eat up and you don't want to get outplayed during those minutes we saw those with some of those past Cavalier teams with LeBron he goes to the bench and everything just it, it 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 just kind of derails a little bit. So you definitely don't want to see that with your team. And again, a lot of things going on in a championship. There's injury, you know, injury luck. There's just luck and you know, and skill and talent and chemistry and all of that stuff. If one of your top guys goes down and you don't have that much depth behind them, you're going to be in a more precarious situation than the team that's a little bit deeper. I mean, you can't replace a superstar. I don't want anyone to misconstrue that. Like, if you lose a top guy, you lose a top guy, and it's going to be hard to bounce back from that. But I always will go over having a more talented team overall than just having, like, one or two guys that are, like, outstanding, and then the rest of the guys are kind of subpar. Isn't that where culture comes into it as well? Because I think if you're on those deeper teams, having guys that are unselfish, as you pointed to, is more important now. I would say the Warriors are in that mold as well. They've had guys that have been there a long time, and there'll be people that say, well, Draymond Green has been, I, I don't think problematic is the right word because clearly it's worked for them, but there's been times where there's been frustrations or controversy, whatever it may be. But I think for the most part, you look at the way guys fit into that team, everyone seems satisfied, everyone seems happy to be there. For the Bucs, it's been the case, and I think that there's no better example than a guy like Bobby Portis who, as we mentioned last year through the playoff run, was out of the rotation, in the rotation, out of the rotation, back in. But every time he came back in, he was ready to play, he was prepared to play. And the biggest thing is that he was happy uh, to be there. It obviously starts with the superstar, which I think is you know, mm-hmm. Giannis and I think in Golden State. It's Steph and Clay who have been there a long time, similar to Middleton and Giannis. But I, I, the reason why I personally have never really cared about what people think about Brooklyn, will these guys get along, is because ultimately I still think in a playoff series, 
there's nothing more scary. And we went through it last year and it was only with Kevin Durant. There wasn't even Harden there. There wasn't Irving there for the most part. But there's nothing more scary than when Durant has the ball and he's one-on-one and he's putting up that shot because superstars are still the most terrifying prospect when it comes to the postseason. So that's why I think for the Bucs, they need everything to be right. They need the culture to be right. They need everyone to be happy. I think they've got that as long as they've got Giannis. Whereas Brooklyn, it could be messy. It doesn't have to be perfect because in the end, they've got the multiple superstar talent that if they're healthy, they're going to be terrifying. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, we definitely lived through that. Uh, when that three went up, <laughs> All right. I, well, along too, but at the, you know, in real time, you're just kind of like, oh my God, like Kevin Durant's ISOing. Even in overtime of that game, where again, ISOing, you're just kind of like, this could, he like, when Kevin Durant misses, I'm shocked. It, it's yeah. at that point where like he's just that talented. Like, I'm shocked when he misses a shot. So, like, you def- I think like championship teams, it's a mixture. You have to have that guy. And again, like I feel good with just about any matchup you can put the Bucks in because we have Giannis, and that's what drives. That's the engine. That's what drives the team. You have the uh, what do you want to call it? Like the like just some smaller stars around them if you want to. The, the rest of the big three. You have Drew. You have Chris. You have two guys there who again know their role and also can help drive the team. Like Chris can step up in moments when you need him to. Drew can step up in moments where you need him to. And then you have just great role players around him. Brooke Lopez was an amazing presence last year in certain matchups. You had Bobby, like you mentioned. Brent had a series. like in, And just knowing who to play in different matchups, again, having depth to be able to say, like, this series is yours, this one is not, because of how we're matching up here. So like, you need a mixture of so many things to go right on a championship team, and you need a lot of guys to understand their role. You need that, that engine, you need them, the, the co-stars, and then you need the role players. And depending on how good your superstar is, your best player is, um, I think says a lot about your chances. Again, it's a team game, but when it comes down to those moments, like you mentioned, at the end of the game, you need a bucket or whatever the case may be, how are you going to get it? Which I guess is why Bulls fans might feel a little comfortable with DeMar DeRozan because he's shown this season so far, if you need a bucket, I can go and get you a bucket in this situation. So I'm looking forward, one, to seeing the Bucks in the Bulls play since we haven't seen each other at all this season so far. And also seeing how he performs in the playoffs. All right. Make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Still. And they've got you covered for everything you need there. Of course, after you listen to Locked On Bucks. And by the way, before I check this podcast, we were at 1.99K subscribers on YouTube. So let's, let's tick it over 2K by the, by the weekend. But by the post-game show for Bucks and Warriors, let's have it at 2K. If you haven't checked out YouTube, there's no better time because you get to look at Camille's golden championship merchandise that she's got on which is should be incentive enough for everyone uh we're gonna get out of here camille because we've been talking about the bulls we've been talking about the nets and they're about to play each other and by the way this is a 9 p.m tip or it's in chicago so i guess it's a yeah it's a 9 p.m tip 9 p.m central time tip what's going on i know they want to get this game on national tv that is late it's extremely late like (laughs) i i had no i like I couldn't even explain to you why that's happening unless it's like a double header and they're just trying to, you know, squeeze in their games. Well, it's 2 PM in the afternoon tip over here in Australia. So very suitable for the Australian audience. We can be adaptable for these uh, late tips, but hopefully everyone doesn't wake up too tired uh, for work tomorrow. Bucks and Warriors. That's on TNT. That of course, I don't know if it's on local broadcast as well, but you want to be listening to Lisa and Marcus if you if you can, obviously. That goes without saying. Uh, but we'll be back after that game. That's a 6.30 tip uh, or thereabouts. 
we can never guarantee with these national TV games. But be on the couch by 6.30 p.m. and you'll be ready to go if you're not at the game. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. We'll break it down. Frank will be back after that one. So for Camille, for myself, we'll leave it there. Catch you guys after Bucks and Warriors.